Hello, welcome to the AW Confidential Podcast. Carolina Aldway is Dominican. The New Yorker is not only passionate about her heritage, but also about what she does. Her purpose is creating opportunities and increasing visibility for underrepresented, underrepresented men and women in television and film. She began her career at Columbia Records, Sony Music, helping with press campaigns for well-known acts such as John Legend, Beyonce, and Maxwell. But the Latina loves to shake it up. After spending time helping develop press campaigns, she moved on to publicity campaigns for brands such as Hennessy, Netflix, and Hispanicize, the Latino or Latinx digital conference. Currently, Carolina works as a talent manager for a top-tier entertainment agency focused on helping comedians and writers get more opportunities in the industry. Carolina, welcome. Thank you for having me and for that. Oh my God, you're so sweet. You're like, <laughs> I love your voice. You're like so chill. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling good, you know, can't complain. You know, we can always complain, but what's the point? That's <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's busy. It's busy, but I'm so happy to have you here. Um, we have had time to connect mm -hmm. and I love what you're doing. I love that you want to, and that's your, I don't know. Every time I think of like, shake it up. Now I think about you. <laughs> so <Right>. my question, <laughs> so my question is, are you ready to shake it up with me? Cause I'm I have some always, good questions. <laughs> I'm always ready to shake it up. Always. I love it. I love it. So you decided to take on the task of representing talent, specifically yeah. men and women who may not have um, access or have less access to opportunities or mm -hmm. maybe less visibility. Mm -hmm. um, that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, not just men and women. Um, I work with non-binary wow. clients as well. So I love that. <laughs> um, Thank you for clearing that up. I love that. We need more of that. Yeah. So, so mm -hmm. my, like when I was, you know, going over the sort of the points that I wanted to hit with you, I was wondering, I'm curious, what, if anything, took place in your personal or professional life? that helped you decide to help, you know, this group, particularly, um, yeah. you know, in the industry? Yeah, I think I've always been a champion for the underdog. You know, I've always been someone I could as far back as I can remember in school, like protecting the people being bullied. Like, I've just always been a champion for the underdog. And maybe it's because I grew up in a home where I was the, the only girl, you know, two older brothers, you know, I felt left out. So there must be some psychological trauma there that we could unravel. We all have that. We all have some. <laughs> So, um, but no, I mean, generally, I think, and I also come from a family who my, both my mom and dad have always been champions for the underdogs as well. So in their, in their own ways, um, you know, we come from DR, you know, my family grew up, you know, disenfranchised, like many Dominican families and came here to offer us a better life. You know, we, we know this story. So, um, I, uh, I think I had it kind of in my blood and then being in, in New York, being, 
Dominican, raised in Washington Heights, um, you know, and having such this unique experience of having this multicultural life was beautiful to me and so important. And just like, it was interesting going to other states and like people not knowing what I was, you know, like they were just like confused, like, wait, you're from where? Um, I remember where that, is that? Where is that? Yeah, that happened to me when I was like 13. I think I went to like Orlando for like Disney World. And in the hotel, there were some kids there and they were like, but where are you from? And I was like, oh, I'm from Dominican Republic. They had no idea where that was. And I was like, the only reference I can give them was like that baseball players are from there, you know? Oh my God. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I do think a lot of people use that because that's yeah. what we're known for, right? That's what we're known for, right? So I, um, you know, I felt a little bit of erasure growing up, you know, I, I didn't understand that word, I, you know, I or I didn't, I didn't have access to that word. I didn't know that word till I was an adult, you know? So in hindsight, I felt erasure um, because we didn't see kind of this dual multicultural experience that I was surrounded by living in New York City, you know, having my my friends around and speaking Spanglish all the time, you know, like um, being part of these worlds, being part of hip hop culture and, you know, um, and like merengue, you know, culture and Dominican, you know, all the things that make up Dominican culture. So, um, so yeah, so I always want to give a platform to that because there were just so many, so such few opportunities to see that on a mainstream level. And I, and I felt it growing up. Yeah. And we need more of that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, and I was joking at the beginning of the interview, but we've had we've had a very long conversation about mm -hmm. shaking it up, doing something different, you know, going against the mainstream. And mm -hmm. I believe that it is critical for us to do things um, just personally mm -hmm. that challenge us. Mm -hmm. And you have said that you like to shake it up. Actually, I got that from you. Can you can you share an experience or a time that you've sort of reshuffled things in your life? You shook it up yeah. and you had a worse or a better, so a good or a bad outcome than you expected. It could be either, whichever yeah. one is more memorable. Oh my God, I have so many things. To oh, wow. Yeah, and I have to give credit to my girlfriend, um, Carla Santiago, who actually was the first person to give me that term. So oh, okay. I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, I'll, I'll give one brief anecdote. When I moved to Miami back in 2015, I really needed a break from New York. Who would have known I would have needed a break from New York? Because I was always like- I do, yeah. I do, I so do. <laughs> yeah, growing up here, you know, I- I get it because there's so much that, you know, people come to, to the city, you know, but there's so much that we carry that we don't even realize that we're carrying being in New York. And I remember needing a change also because winter was just always so harsh on, on me and my mental, on my physical. I just, I hated it. I'm a Caribbean girl. Like I want to be where the sun is at all times. And so I went, I left and I went to Miami for two and a half years. I moved there. And in that process, you know, that, even though it's not so far away, it was kind of a scary process. You're you're leaving the only city you've ever lived in, you know. And my girlfriend Carla, she was she's she's lives in Florida. She's Puerto Rican, and um, she was like, yeah, sometimes you just gotta shake it up, you know. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I have to do. So I got that from her. Ah. But, 
there've been so many times, like from a, such an early age, I remember being, you know, when I was, um, in college, my very first job opportunity was at HBO and I worked there for three years. Um, I started at my freshman year, like literally I was looking for little, you know, not little, because most people experience the service industry when they're in college, right? So they're like, they go and do be waitress or whatever, hostess or whatever it is, you know? And I was looking for those, I was starting to look for those kinds of jobs. Like I need to work, you know, while I'm in college. And, um, and I got a call from my mentor and they needed somebody, you know, at HBO. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I need a job like right now. And what a way to start, right? You know, and from there I was working in HR. So I wasn't doing exactly what I wanted. Um, you know, I thought I wanted to be in organizational effectiveness, which was um, a, a department within HR. And essentially what they did was they would take company money and they would like do programs for high schools to give them like laptops and stuff like that. So the, it, it involved many different aspects of it. Um, I was, the aspect that I was part of was that I worked for a training manager who educated the staff on effective communication, effective leadership, time management skills, and things like that. So it was great. And it was a great learning experience, but I also knew that I wanted to be in something a little bit more creative. So the first time I shook it up was when I went to Sony Music, you know, I, I which uh, was the parent company of Columbia Records, where I started working my my senior year of, of high school, wow. uh, of high school, of college. And so that was a big shakeup, you know, and but it really paid off. Like it was such a shakeup that like I only told one person, only one um, you know, person in my, in my life knew, and that was a colleague of mine. Her name is Jennifer Smith, even though it's funny because my, my boss at HBO was a huge mentor to me too, but I felt so scared that like, she would want to, you know, I was leaving her, you know? So I was like, I can't tell her, you know, I, I need to figure out a way to do this where nobody's feelings are hurt. And like, it's understood that I just want something more creative, you know? And, and that was the very first time that I, that I took a big risk like that, you know, I was like, oh, like we need to change it, you know? And I joke around sometimes I say, sometimes I think my parents still think I work at HBO because it was such <laughs> a big deal. <laughs> it was such a big deal back then. Well, I was like, oh my God, because it's such a recognizable brand name, you know? Um, but I think they were okay with me going to Sony and then they thought I worked for Sony. I think that's also a recognizable yeah, name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was one of the first times. And, and honestly, it taught me the value of taking big risks and trusting my intuition, you know, because, you know, I could have very easily said, no, I got it. I have it good here. I'll just grow here. But that wasn't where I was meant to be. You know, how and did you know when you say intuition was, how did you know? Because we've talked about our intuition yeah. here um, on the show. And, and I'm constantly saying like your gut, you feel that like, it's almost like innate and you just, yeah. you know, yeah. So how you know, did so you funny. know? I, I, I ran into, um, this woman at an event the other day. She was like, I think the, the technical t name is a somatic coach. Like she's someone who deals with like your intuition and feelings and like, kind of, I might need her number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And I was telling her, cause I was so into like this, like, you know, job that she has this, like, you know, um, role that she plays in people's lives. And I was like, I heard that the, 
the, the gut has more nerve endings than your brain, you know? And we, so we tend to make decisions from our brain and she's like, yes, that's right. And I'm like, yeah, I learned this, like this, cause I'm so into this stuff. Right. So it's like, we tend to make a lot of decisions from here and our brain is really there to kind of protect us, you know, like it's there to keep us safe. So it's going to tell you the safe thing to do. Whereas your, your intuition, your gut, your stomach, your heart, like this area over here, <laughs> you know, it is, guiding you to take risks and do things that you your your mind might not feel you're ready for but it knows it knows that you're ready for them so I was listening to what was here I and I and I tend to do that a lot in my life I quiet my mind and but that's I, hard that's, that's hard very hard that's very hard and you know there's some people that don't have that privilege you know what I mean I I've taken big risks like that because you know I have certain safety nets you know I I will say this I think no matter what, because sometimes people say, well, I'm too old or I have kids or this and this and that. And all that stuff could be true. But I think you can take educated risks, too. I think you can take managed risks and still still do what you want. So I don't feel like it's like, oh, because I just was so privileged and so I could do it. No, like I think that there were a lot of risks. There was a lot of risk involved in it. But I felt that I couldn't ignore this, you know, and there's been times in my life when I have ignored this and you feel like you're dying inside a little bit, you know, and yes. it wakes you up in the middle of the night. And it, and it's like that feeling to me is the worst feeling. And after I did it once or maybe twice in my life, I might've done that where I ignored my intuition. Never again. I told the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. Like I am not ignored. Cause that's, that's the worst feeling to me. It feels like it, it feels like you you're you're dying. It's like so like, crushing. It's so Literally. crushing. Yeah. So to answer your question, I just really focus on what my, you know, I tried to really quiet my mind and focus on what my gut was telling me. And you know, and and just just like a footnote to what to that. I have to say that when I listen to my intuition, oh no, sorry, when I don't listen to my intuition, it's almost like there's a feeling that I'm betraying myself. And I know, I know I feel it. And it's horrible to go against that. And it, it, do, it never has ended well for me when I do. And I've done it not twice. Oh my God. I've done it more than twice. And there yeah. have been consequences. There's, there always are. And it's good that you recognize it, but it's like how many people can really train themselves to, you know, listen and quiet themselves and trust, trust, you know, you have to it's trust, hard. you have to have faith, you have to have faith, you you have to trust that where you're being led is good, you know, it's the best path, otherwise you wouldn't have this inkling, you wouldn't have these whispers, you wouldn't have this pull to go Ooh, there. Just gotta chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard, you know, yeah. But um, you're you're inspiring. I mean, I love speaking to you. I I just I feel uplifted. I feel I feel that positive energy. You're inspiring so much change with the work that you're doing. And you know, I think about how we can't be what we cannot see. Mm -hmm. And highlighting our Latino talent is one of the best way to amplify our voices. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you ever feel like you're swimming against the tide? Because I feel that in order 
to create real lasting impact, mm -hmm. we have to unite and mm -hmm. contribute in different ways to changing the landscape and telling more of our stories. Yeah. So in your opinion, because you're in the thick of it, mm -hmm. what are a few of the ways that as, you know, as uh, one of, as a member of the Latino community can help your mission? Because I think we can all do something. And I try to do it by giving a voice to, mm -hmm. you know, to you and to others and, and trying to figure out how do we help each other more? Yeah, I mean, you're doing it. This work, you're doing it, you know? But yeah, do I ever feel like I'm swimming against the tide? <laughs> yes, yes, like every single day. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And for, and for me, I feel like what's helped is focusing on the art, you know? If I, if I start looking at all the impediments, which, you know, now it even bothers me to see the numbers and the articles, like Latinos are represent less than last year. I'm like, oh God. And so like, I don't want to look at, I don't even want to look at the complaints anymore. Like it's important for us to be aware of the numbers. That's a big reason why I got into the work. Cause I, I felt the erasure and then I saw it confirmed through the actual research that people have been mm. doing around it, you know, which is really important. Cause when you see numbers, I mean, I am a product of people who did a lot of research. You know, people said, oh, let's um, let's look at the, the representation of Latinos within corporate structures. And there was like none. And so they went into in, inner city high schools and they said, let's create a, a mentoring program. And I was part of one. And that's how I ended up getting, that's how my mentor ended up tapping into me to work at HBO. So I am a product of someone who looked at the numbers, analyzed the numbers and said, we need to fix this, right? This is the real hard facts, you know? So no one ever poo-poo numbers, you know? Like it's not, I don't say, because I think for me, it's just disheartening to see it and, it and it distracts me from my purpose because I'm like, fuck that. Okay, yeah, that's still happening, but I have to be over here. So I think focusing on the art Focusing on my clients is the number one. Um, and also understanding, you know, that there's an acceptance that we have to have of everyone's individual culture. You know, we talk about Latinidad. It's like, what are the things that bring Latinos together besides Bad Bunny? Because he's... <laughs> That's all we talk about, right? Well, and Carol G, I mean, you yeah. know, she... Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm being silly, but it's true. I love that. Yeah. I love that. No, that was a good point. That was a good point. He, he has a very, I, you know, there's a, re, I think I've read somewhere that like Harvard is studying the way he brings Latinos together, something like that. There's like a, what? Ivy League are studying and like, they have like a bad bunny class. Like I might be, don't quote me on this, but I've, I heard something along this line, but um, because he's super intentional about the way we have to bring each other together and we not, you know, it's very easy to be like, well, you're like this and I'm like this. Like, I understand for me, I am an Afro-Caribbean you know, Caribbean person of the Northeast and there is a special connection that I have to that, a special understanding. And that is something that I do want to champion, you know, and make sure is out there, right? But I also have other non, you know, non that clients, you know, that are, you know, doing beautiful things and are super talented, you know, and, and still make up a fabric of our community, you know, 
And so I think sometimes we get extremely siloed and that's not to say that we can't champion our own communities because we are different and we are special and we shouldn't mix, you know, put a Mexican character where there should be a Dominican one, you know, or an Ecuadorian one where there should be, you know, um, you know, a Chilean one or something like, or, like or let's be fair, a, a, a white person as playing a Latino that which yeah. that has been right. And so, you know, and so I, you know, I think it's also about like, let's not try to find ways to divide. Let's try to find ways to, you know, come together. Unfortunately, with social media, you build a lot of clout from being divisive, right? You build a lot of clout from separating people and becoming a polarizing person. That always bothers me, not just for our issues of our community, but for issues of any community. Like you have to be, if you really want to see change, you have to find ways to build bridges, you know? And it's not to say that we cannot call things out for when they're fucked up, you know what I mean? But I also feel like we should be trying more to find ways to come together. I don't like every Latino shows that comes out, but I'm not going to go around waving, you know, a flag of like, I hate this show. You know what I mean? Like, I understand again, and if it's like a cultural um, disconnect that there's there and that like, you know, somebody put it together and, you know, I, I get some of the complaints, but I also feel like we can do so much better at trying to support one another, you know, and that's really the only way that we're going to be able to move forward. And it sounds whatever, like you can call that, what do they call it? Pollyanna or whatever it is, you know, yeah. like, you know, but it's, it's, it's really, well, I'm talking about being effective. You know, I'm talking about be effective. We need we need allies from everywhere. And and I also mm -hmm. like to, you I'm know, glad you said that. Yeah. And I and I'm someone that consumes. I mean, this is and this is what it is. You too. Like we all consume. We're Americans. You know, we consume all of this culture from everywhere. So also like I'm not always like sure I champion me, but like I'm also like I love all the all other kinds of music, too. And I bring other cultures in like let's invite more people to the table, you know, and like. Ex, you know, express like how we, you know, how we are and what we need, you know? So I, I, I saw your face when I said swimming against the tide. Mm -hmm. So as a talent manager, you know, in a top tier agency, what has been your biggest hurdle? Like the, the hurdle that a major hurdle that you've encountered as you try and get desired visibility for your for your clients, um, whether they're you know across the board, I yeah, don't yeah. want to um, exclude yeah. anyone. Yeah, um, the biggest hurdle. There's two big hurdles, right? I think the first one is if you look at the studios and the buyers. The buyers are like the streamers, you know, like Netflix you know, um, Max, um, Hulu, those are, you know, those are the buyers. They're the ones that say, we will green light this show and we will put it on. Most of them don't come from our cultures, you know? And so, you know, also, you know, so they're going to, people are going to want to work with the things that make sense for them right now. Also at the end of the day, Sto good story is good story, right? right? Historically, the people in the US at least that have been able to tell those stories have been white, right? And so 
they have a wealth of experience that comes with that, you know, a wealth of time doing this, you know, family members, generations back and stuff like that. So we are catching up, you know, we're, we're catching up. So not only is there the, um, the fact that, you know, most of the shows created aren't for us, by us, you know what I mean? Um, most of the people in power that are making decisions are not us, you know? Um, there's also the, there's also a lot of talent that we have to catch up with as well. You know, there's, we, we're very, we have a lot of talent in our community, but we also, again, you know, we're, we're 20% of the country, right? And so, you know, we have to also compete against the rest, you know, um, to get those, those coveted spots, you know, for those shows. So there's that. So I think there's that part of it. And then there's also the mental part of it. You know, this is why like people say like, oh, representation matters. Yeah, representation matters because if I don't see myself in that position, if I don't know that I can be a showrunner, if I don't know that I could be a writer, if I don't know that I could be an actor, that if I could, that I could do stand up, all these things, you have limiting beliefs. And even when you get there, you still have limiting beliefs because you haven't exactly seen someone or maybe you've maybe seen one or two people pave the way. Right. So we have to then retrain ourselves to believe that we can do these things, that this is possible to not give up, to learn the craft, to perfect the craft, to keep going, you know. So sometimes we get we get in our own way. You know what I mean? And there's mm -hmm. there's you know, there's a lot of layers that go into that, you know. So um so yeah, I think those are two big hurdles. There's a lot, there's a lot of other things, but those are, those are two big ones. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. So one of the things that I like to do, and, and I'm going to change it up a, a little bit, but I like to sort of conclude interviews with a positive message. So I like to leave our community with something positive, um, just to sort of you know, give people hope, inspire and, and, and encourage. So with, you know, the strike being over, everyone's going back to work. What do you hope to see in this new phase? Because I'm, I'm hoping this is a new chapter. Um, as far as opportunities, do you feel this can impact the work that you're doing for un the underrepresented talent? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is what I do. I rep writers, I work, I rep actors. So absolutely, you know, this, you know, and usually when you have, you know, unions coming together to for a, for a cause, we're most impacted because we're at the very, you know, socioeconomically, historically, we're the ones that get the brunt of these unfair, you know, contracts, you know, so like, SAG and the WGA fighting for our, you know, for our clients' um, needs very positively affects, you know, like the the underdogs, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, in this coming year, I think that there is a hunger. I do feel, I will say this, there is a desire to see more programming by underrepresented groups. It's just more the herramientas, I like that word, the tools that the are tools. being given. Are we being given the proper opportunity? So what does that mean? If you are a writer, right? You're a staff writer. That's the first level of writer that you can be in a room, right? In a writer's room. A writer's room is just a, 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 a space where writers come together to write a show, right? 
whether that's on Zoom or in person. So um, if you are a staff writer, you should be given the opportunity and you write like an episode of something. You should be getting getting the opportunity to get to see that episode from inception to taping. You know, that's a that's a process that that's part of what, you know, the WGA was fighting too, is to get all of the exposure that a writer needs to really perfect their their craft, right? And so I think as long as we're not being set up to fail, right? Like, do we have supervisors that are, you know, that are working with us? Can we, can we reach across to, you know, more experienced people and get access to more things and, and given the time to fail and get back up and make shows that maybe in the first couple episodes suck, but then they get a little bit better. Like, can we get those chances, you know, um, that's what we need because, you know, anyone can say, oh, we tried that. And then, you know, and then also as our people, we have to support, you know, we have to support, we have to say like, let's go watch Blue Beetle. You know what I mean? Like talk about it. Like I've heard a lot about Blue Beetle, actually. I was going to look it up tonight. <laughs> yeah. I have a good friend who manages the the director um, of that, of that movie. And I loved it. I went to take my nephew and I was like, I couldn't stop talking about it, you know, but um. I just think that we have to support one another, you know, and I think for for Latinos generally, like we need to get more curious, like, you know, you might want to be a writer and you're not sure, you know, why don't you find out about working for an agency and see what it what it means to be an agent's assistant and you can actually look at the world, you know, and and understand it a little bit better. So, you know, the business of Hollywood, you know um versus saying well I want to be a writer but it won't make any money right now which most likely in the beginning it probably won't but you could go and do what thousands of people have done which is they go work in the industry they understand it a little bit better and they become writers themselves you know um but it's about taking more risks you know you have to kind of expose yourself to this and you have to trust that if you have an inkling a curiosity to do it follow it you know follow it um don't stay in the safe zone <laughs> Hmm. No, that's really great advice. Um, hopefully we'll see more of our faces in, you know, those areas. Mm -hmm. But um, we started the conversation with talking about shaking it up and you are certainly doing that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, you know, ask you, what is your best advice for anyone even thinking about shaking it up in their life? Because it's hard. It's hard but you're going out there and you're doing it every day just by doing the work you're doing. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's kind of what we were talking about in the beginning. I, you know, I, I say this and people might think it's a little morbid, but it's like, if you die tomorrow, you know, what would you regret not doing? You know, what would you regret not going for? What would you regret not doing? you know, and whatever that thing is, go do that, you know, because a lot of people spend years, years living in regret. And that feeling, those little whispers, they're there for a reason. There's something nagging at you. Oh, call this person for whatever reason, your mind is telling you, call this person, call them. You know what I mean? Like that could be your door to the next opportunity. You don't know. They might be, they might say something, you know, you know, we don't have to also we don't have to stay locked into anything. You know, this is not our parents generation where they were working jobs for 20, 30 years. I think we have a lot more flexibility in what we do. And 
one door can unlock the other. So you might be, you might have um, a desire to, to do something and that desire might morph into something else. Once you have more information, you can't make a choice from a place that that you don't, you know, that you don't understand, that you don't see. You know, if you're exposed to something, it might expose you to something else. And then you walk through that door and do another job, you know. But I think sometimes people feel like we're incarcerated to these positions. Like, okay, now you're doing the shackles, this. girl, the shackles. Like you're doing this, <laughs> and that's it. You can't change, you can't move. You know, you have to, you, you, you have to understand that there's flexibility and you you're gain you're not losing anything as you're moving. I I think we forget that we have a choice. I mean, I I think it's easy to think, oh, I don't have a choice. This is what I have to do. No, you always have a choice. Obviously, you have to plan. You have to do things a certain way, calculated risks, but Mm -hmm. you have a choice. Yeah. And you can definitely, especially as you get older, you know, I think for when you're like early in, you know, your teens, 20s, and you're making these choices, you have a little bit more freedom, right? As you get older and you might have a mortgage or, you know, you might have um, kids, kids, you know, you, you have these other, or like maybe your parents are sick and you need to do things. I think even in those circumstances, there are like educated ways that you can do things, right? Like maybe you don't want to necessarily just depend on your writing right away because you might feel like it's a little bit too risky but maybe you're writing for a magazine maybe you're assisting someone who manages writers like maybe like you know what i mean so there's like ways there's ways if you if there's if there's a will there's a way and if you have faith um that your gut is leading you to the right place you know so and and a lot of times things that hold us back are ego you know it's total fear of rejection yeah it's the fear of rejection it's the fear of like well what would my friends think you know, oh, but if I changed to this and I said I was going to do that, it's like, who fucking cares? It's like, no, everybody's worried about themselves. Nobody's worried about you, you know? <laughs> like, I had, Oh my gosh. If I had a dollar for every time I heard those words, forget yeah. it. I and, and I get it because a lot of, I, I remember, you know, even when I was thinking about starting the podcast, I was like, well, what are people going to think? You know, I'm a writer. What, what am I doing on a podcast? Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Even if one person listens, I'm happy. If, even if this helps one person, I'm good. And yes. yeah. I'm going to do it. And and I'm glad I did. <laughs> That's the attitude you have to have. I think I think we also are like, you know, I, I can say personally, I put a lot of pressure on myself you know, to, oh, like you start doing something tomorrow. You want to be on Oprah when Oprah was, you know, doing stuff, but you know, that's like, you feel like I started today. Oh my God. Why am I not on Oprah yet? Like, yes, you're not going to be on Oprah yet. (laughs) So I know that feeling (laughs) it's like, but you might move the needle forward. You know what I mean? Like you might've inspired someone, you know, you might be, I might be setting up right now the 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 structure for the next people that are going to believe in themselves to create more shows you know what i mean so it's like we have to be okay with that that is our contribution to this phase you know like as long as we're you know we have to take it a day at a time we we you know we can't expect to have the world in our hands especially when it's really ambitious goals you know over i think it's something that a lot of us struggle with and and i i took a class this week Um, And one of the things that I found um, really valuable 
to just think about for myself was, you know, I have a hard time celebrating my wins. Mm. Even when I, let's say, whatever, I win an interview, or these are my wins. When I lock in an interview, when I lock in, you know, a certain article, I'm like, before I even start celebrating, I, I'm already thinking about the next thing that I want to accomplish. I don't yeah. even enjoy the win. And mm -hmm. I think we're like always chasing that next thing. And yeah. we just have to kind of, you know, sit with ourselves sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I actually just thought of an exercise that would be awesome. We could both do Ooh. and all your listeners oh. can do it. Um, yes. Just taking 10 minutes on a Friday and like analyzing your week and listing the things that you did that you were proud of Ooh. or the opportunities that came in that, um, you know, uh, were good, were wins, even if it's small wins. Oh, I got a call back from a person that I was waiting to get a call from, you know, I whatever it is. I think even just doing that is such a good practice. It's also just a really great practice in gratitude. Gratitude is the strongest form of prayer. If you want anything, you have to show gratitude. So it's like even just like doing that for that for that practice and just seeing how like the universe responds back to you, I think it's powerful. You know? I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's actually a great idea. You yeah. know, I it's it's funny because during this class, that was one of the questions. What was your, you know, name? three wins for the week. And I'm like, three. <laughs> <laughs> and we think I, I, did I, I gave you one. <laughs> right. Right. So no, I think you're right. And I think that's like a great way to end our conversation because um, I think we all need to really sit down and think about those wins and, and be grateful for them. Like I'm grateful for you being here today. You all, you always give, you like feed my soul every time I talk to you. It, it feels like that exchange of energies is amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for being here. Oh, be, but before I forget, can you let our listeners know how to find you, how to find out how to support your roster of talent, anything we can do? Yeah, um, I'm at Ola underscore Carola, C-A-R-O-L-A. -A. Um, and uh, yeah, you can just follow me there. Honestly, my my Instagram is not that great of like, it's very like much my pictures of my niece. And hey, that is not true. I, I saw the pictures of your the dinner you recently oh, attended. Yes. That was <laughs> absolutely to. fabulous. That yeah, was thank fabulous. You. Thank That's you. not true, guys. <laughs> follow her she does some really cool shit like no <laughs> um yeah well and then also just I think the biggest gift anyone could give me personally because I'm such a like nut about this is to get still and really trust your intuition and live in your truth that is what I want from everyone in life you know and as an artist, especially, you need your intuition to make decisions. And in business, in everything, you need your intuition. You need to get still. You need to move past the things that didn't work and go forward. And, you know, um, in order for you to do that, you have to really know yourself deeply, you know? And so I think that's the gift for anyone because, and what are stories telling? They're trying to tell truths, you know? And you know, so this is, so that, that is the gift. The gift is get to know yourself and, and trust your intuition and listen to it and honor. And don't be afraid of it. 
and don't be afraid of it obey it honestly it's there for a reason um that's what everyone should do and you can hear me you or you can you can see me posting things about that every now and then but yeah <laughs> thank you thank you so much for being here today absolutely thank you for having and Oh, anytime. And thank you all for listening to this newest episode of AW Confidential Podcast. Talk to you soon.